Welcome to episode 30 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We need an infusion of righteousness into the body of Christ. This is Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at innerpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. I want to talk to you about practical righteousness, not imputed righteousness, but righteousness that is lived out. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. The phrase, training in righteousness, gives us the understanding that we receive righteousness by faith, but then righteousness is executed and lived out by our life. How exactly does that happen? I think there are three key words here that could really help us as we're attempting to lead people, disciple people, win people, and impact our culture. Let's just take a couple minutes and look at these three key power words here. In the New American Standard, they're translated teaching, reproof, and correction. Now, hermeneutically speaking, when you see a list in the scripture, it's important to take time to realize that God is differentiating or expanding on something. Like sometimes there'll be a list like Romans 12 that lists the motivational gifts or what we call the father gifts. And that is expanding on something. Here we see a list where rather than using just one Greek word or a Greek phrase, there are three distinct words that are used so there can be differentiation. There can be an examination, an expansion of what we understand the preaching ministry should encompass because not all preaching should be the same and there should be different seasons of it, I believe. So these three words are the words that the Apostle Paul, written from his jail cell, one of the last things he said to his apostolic successor, Timothy, on how he should lead God's people into righteousness. We know that we need an infusion of righteousness into the body of Christ today. And if we're going to operate under the authority of God's word, if it's going to be the final arbiter, then we need to lift it up and be an example of that. So let's just talk about the strongest of these words. Let's go backwards. Let's talk about the strongest of these words first. Reproof, or the King James says rebuke. And this means literally to reprimand somebody. It carries the connotation of exposing something, pulling the blanket off something, bringing something to light. It means to convict somebody, to bring evidence against them. This would be a challenging message. This would be challenging people about how they're living, challenging them about what God's call on their life is. It would be challenging them about these things. Now, when we think of Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I think mostly we think, oh, that's a positive thing. And I think that's reasonable. 
So if I'm believing God for something, you know, I'm going to hear about that thing. If I'm believing God for healing, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I believe that one of the reasons we don't see heartfelt conviction and repentance for sin among believers is that there's very little word out there. In other words, where there is no word, there is no faith. And I believe if we would preach the word, not legalism, not our opinion, but preach the word, what does God's word say about things? For instance, just easy subject. What does God's word say about sexual intimacy outside of marriage? God's word calls it sin. Living together, shacking up, whatever term you want to put on it, God's word calls it sin. If we want people to be free from that, that is more powerful than sitting down with them and telling them, you know, what you're doing is wrong. That's okay to do. I think a good pastor should do that. But I think there needs to be a voice from the pulpit that is educating uh, people. Years ago, I had an experience with a young lady who had had some background, and I went through a teaching on sexual purity, and basically I I defined sin as anything outside of marriage that produced sexual arousal. And you know, this girl had struggled with some areas, but that is what she told me later was set her free. She saw it in the context of God clearly defining what sin was, not what she could get away with, but wanting to be holy before God. So faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Part of preaching the gospel is identifying sin because God identified those sins. Read Galatians 5, for instance. If we want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we also have to talk about the works of the flesh. We need to identify those things so that people can be free. So part of good preaching should be bringing reproof. Now let me say this. I don't think you should ever say anything from the pulpit aimed at a person that you're not willing to talk to them in private about. So I would never preach a sermon aimed at one person where really what they need to do is sit down and have a meeting with me. But generally speaking, from the full counsel of God, preaching the word of God. What does God's word say about these certain items? I'll give you a great example. Uh, On the pro-life thing, many churches are pro-life, and they've made pro-life statements But yet often there's never really been a theological discourse from the pulpit saying what abortion is and really bringing reproof to it, okay? That it is wrong, that it is evil, that it is murder. Those are what the things that the Bible calls it. So we should call it those same things. If we can't call things what the Bible calls them, honestly, we should not be preaching the word. Because we are just heralds. We are not revelators. We are heralds. And we don't make up the revelation as we go. We embody it. We give it life. But we have to preach the word of God. So reproof is a part of preaching. Bringing reprimand, exposing, and bringing conviction. The next word he used here is correction. And this is a a great Greek word. It means to make straight. It means to stand true. It kind of has the connotation of the the plumb line being dropped. Uh, I would add the word to make something clear. Let's really make this clear. 
And one of the nuances of this word is that it seems to indicate there's a preemptive action, like when there's correction. And I always get the picture of a, a, you know, you're driving the car down the road and you see a pothole or you see a deer, you take preemptive action. You take, you just take correction. It's kind of a natural thing. So when we're teaching, we're bringing correction. We're taking preemptive action. We may be, we may see doctrines in the church like the hyper grace movement, and we may take preemptive action to teach what the Bible really says about grace. We may see the movement on, you know, universal salvation, the restoration of all things. There is no hell anymore. We could take corrective action on that. We we be we would be preemptive. We be, we excuse me. We'd be preemptive. So before that thing hits our body, we would teach from the scripture. That would be a good way. This word he said. So we're gonna bring people into righteousness. We're gonna train them into righteousness. Or we're gonna train them by bringing reproof, and we're gonna train them by bringing correction. And we're going to make the way straight. We're going to make the way sure. We're going to make the way clear. We're going to put God's word up against it as a plumb line and say, is this accurate? And the third form he uses here is to teach. And that means simply to give information. And not only to give the information, but again, it's a great word. It means to describe a process. So it's not telling people about salvation. It's telling them how to get saved. It's not teaching about just discipleship. It's saying, and here's how we're doing discipleship. Here's how you get plugged into discipleship. It's not teaching about prayer. It's saying, and we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight, and we're going to come and we're going to demonstrate this. Remember that teaching in the Hebrew, more so than the Greek, but also in the Greek, teaching does not just mean didactic. It does not just mean auditory. It means to demonstrate. One of the, the word pictures in the Hebrew of teaching is to engrave the mind. It's like hands-on training uh, to take somebody and say, this is how you do it. This is how you cook a meal. This is how you love a wife. This is how you train a child. This is how you balance a checkbook. This is how you live righteously. So you're teaching, but you're giving uh, substance to that teaching. You're giving examples to that teaching. And so we want to teach people, which is edifying and, and is life-changing. We want to we bring prophetic correction. We want to make sure people are staying in the doctrine of the Word of God. And then also we want to bring reproof. And uh, sometimes that reproof is aimed outside the world. We can take things from the scripture. We could be reproving our government for their wickedness. We could be reproving situations that are happening around us in our culture for their disobeying of God's word. And by doing that, we're, we're modeling that God's word is the absolute authority. That's the bottom line here. If we do not model that God's word by our preaching is the authority, the yes and amen of God, then it's going to be very hard to flow in any kind of authority. God's word is going to be treated just like somebody else's opinion. Is it not frustrating when you pour yourself out in God's word and it's treated just like an opinion? Well, that's a culture, okay? And we've got to change that culture by being steadfast, not rigid, not legalistic, but clear 
and using all three of these elements that the Apostle Paul told his son in the faith, Timothy, to preach the word. That all scripture is inspired, and there are scriptures that are inspired to give reproof, there are scriptures that are inspired to give correction, and there are scriptures that are inspired to teach. So I hope this is an encouraging you to really think about whether you're preaching or you're discipling somebody, whether you're involved in training people, even in the business realm, that those three things still exist, okay? Those three elements are a vital part of a good, healthy training process. Hey, it's been great to be with you. This is Keith Tusi with Leadership in Content. Today, Keith discussed how to practically infuse righteousness. As we lead and disciple people, as we impact our culture, our message needs to line up with God's Word, encompassing teaching, reproof, and correction. Teaching is not just auditory, but demonstrates the how. Reproof uses the gospel to identify sin, and correction is preemptive in action. These elements lead people to hold God's Word as the authority and not just another opinion. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at inourpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our website, inourpastors.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at In Our Pastors. See you next week.